Like I said, we are going to be um, covering our prophecy update. We, we like to do this at the beginning of um, the year. And uh, we could have pushed this ahead to next Sunday uh, when hopefully Pastor Ryan would be able to be with us. But we've got some things planned for next Sunday that I'll be getting into um, later on. And so we've got some scheduled things happening for next Sunday. Um, if you would, though, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. If you don't have a Bible, you need one, hold up your hand, and an usher will bring you one. Keep your hand up. Matthew chapter 24. And uh, I'll tell you this much, guys. Um, you know, as we look at prophecy and all that's going on in the world, um, first of all, uh, there is just so much to cover. My goodness. That... that one Sunday with even three services, and I might just be doing this in three parts today. I don't know. I'm going to see how far I get this morning and then into the next service. Um, each service might be different. Um, the last service, I might just kind of review it all and because we have time, and I'll keep everybody hostage the longer for the 1130 service. So, uh, but don't, if you can... Be gracious, don't try sneaking back in 1130 because we need every seat we can in here uh, for those that'll be coming. But um, it's all gonna be online, um, both on the live streams and we'll consolidate the messages and upload them again to YouTube if um, we're still on YouTube after today. Uh, that might change as well. So we'll, yeah. <laughs> so we, yeah, Rumble, exactly. I, actually, thank you, whoever said that, because we are now posting our messages to Rumble as well. And so if YouTube shuts us down, we'll have our, our content on Rumble, and we're going to hopefully start streaming to Rumble as well soon, and we'll be doing it to whatever platform uh, we'll be able to continue on doing so. So um, that's the plan. But you'll be able to see all the content that's covered today in a consolidated matter uh, in the next day or two uh, after Sunday here, and so you'll be able to catch everything that was said and that which wasn't said in this 8.30 service. But we're going to cover some good stuff here this morning. But like I said too, there's so much material to go through as, as both Randy and I were kind of looking at stuff. We're just sitting here going, how do, you, how do you kind of just bring everything together into just like a, you know, an hour message or whatever we'll have to cover today? Like there's so much stuff going on in the world today. We're not going to, I'm not going to be able to cover everything. Uh, today. So there might be stuff you were hoping that we'd be hitting on and we may not hit on it and I apologize because there's just so many things out there. And, and the other thing is that we have a church, I'm so glad for a church that is up on this stuff. I'm, I'm probably not going to be sharing with, with many of you things that you don't already know and, and have not already seen and that you haven't already sent to my inbox, whether it be MSN Messenger or <laughs> email or, you know, uh, What's the other ones? I mean, Facebook and Signal and uh, WhatsApp. And my goodness, I get bombarded by videos from many of you, which is great. Keep them coming. I can't promise that I'll get to all of them because I don't know how some of you have enough time to go through all this stuff, but I certainly don't. But I'm grateful that there's a church that is on top of this stuff. And so um, I love it. Keep this stuff coming to me and I get to whatever I can um, when it comes to video and content that's going on out there. But I say all that to say, uh, you guys are a well-grounded church and people. Um, I, I don't take any credit for that. It's just kind of who you guys are. It's awesome. And so I'm hoping that we'll be able to cover some things that will be helpful and, and encouraging to you. And just, again, 
really kind of making us aware for the times that we're in. Because one thing that I've begun to see over the last couple of years, one thing that's really stood out to me, and I've been a, a believer all my life. Hopefully I'm not knocking that over. That's a there's an iPad on there. Okay. Um, I've been a believer all my life. Well, I mean, come on. That's silly to say that, right? I shouldn't say that. I've been a, in church all my life and um, have been a, a believer for much of my life. And uh, one thing that I've really begun to see in these last few years is just kind of the work of the enemy that's kind of that undercurrent of the things that are going on in the world. Yes, God is on the throne and God is in charge. Hallelujah for that. But he's allowing the prince of this age here to be at work right now. And uh, what we're seeing is that there is that spiritual component to the things that are going on. The enemy is at work and things are, are moving ahead to what we know is going to be taking place in Revelation. We're going to talk about some of those things here today. And so that's something that's really been standing out to me. And I want to talk about some of those things here this morning. But Matthew chapter 24, looking at verse 3, if you're there with me, hopefully Matthew 24, verse 3. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will be offended will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. So Jesus with his disciples lays out a number of distinguishing things that are going to be evident for the last days. And when you look through this list of things that he's pointing out, you look at that and you go, was Jesus watching the news of 2021 and now into 2022? Because all these things seem to be such main factors of, of things that are going on in our society and culture and in our world today. Lawlessness. We see uh, people betraying one another. We see, um, you know, famines, pestilences, that's disease and viruses and such, earthquakes. We see all these things not just happening, but increasing in measure. And so Jesus is revealing some of these things. But one thing I want to talk about is just that deception. Jesus pinpoints that in a number of places here in this passage here, multiple times speaking about that, that there will be those that will come to deceive you. There will be those that will be coming and saying, I'm the Christ. I'm the savior. I'm the one that's going to help you. And, and what we're seeing today is that there are a lot of things, whether it's a person or an entity, a group that people are looking to to say, this is what's going to help me through this. Whether it's a government, a health official, it's this person is the one that I need to listen to because this is the thing that's going to help me and be my 
my savior in a sense. And, and so we see a lot of this deception that's going on in the world today. And again, what I want to point out is that we see how the enemy is at work. Satan is at work to deceive many people, to blind people to the truth, and just cause people to go along with kind of the, the flow and the current of this world. And that's what, what Jesus said in, in, or Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were all doing before we were believers in Christ. We were walking according to the course of this world. Satan is at work and he's continuing to lead people astray and into deception. And, and so what we're seeing now, and I'm going to be talking a lot today. I'm going to preface this and kind of give a disclaimer. But I'm going to be talking a lot today about, you know, vaccinations and more so about um, vaccination passports and mandates. And I want to make, again, a very clear case from the pulpit here is that as a church, we believe that everybody has a choice, the freedom of choice to make. And so whether you feel you need to take the vaccine or whether you feel you need to withhold from taking the vaccine, that's your decision and we love you and we are all part of God's children and the family of God here and we want to continue to worship together in unity. We don't want to make these dividing issues. So as much as you hear me talking about the vaccines and, and, and everything, more so what I'm implying is the push that we're seeing to create this system that's going to, and we'll be talking about this probably in the, the second service, so, um, but this push towards the, the vaccines and the mandates towards that, which is just ushering in this kind of control and causing people just to follow along blindly with these things. So, I'm not trying to put down anybody that's chosen to be vaccinated. You have your choice to do that, and, um, and, and we're not against that. We're not against you taking the vaccine. That's what you feel is right to do. We're not going to be talking about, you know, uh, this and that, but we're going to be talking more so about the, the mandates and the things that are behind the vaccine. So understand, okay? Don't, I don't want anybody to walk away going, oh, that church is just so, you know, they're a bunch of anti-vaxxers. I don't want people walking away from message this saying, oh, that's just all about making us feel guilty for taking the vaccine. That's not at all what we're trying to do, okay? So please hear me. There's many people in our church that are vaccinated, and these are great, awesome, solid people that love the Lord, and they've done it for certain reasons, and that's all good. And there are those that have chosen to withhold from taking the vaccine, and they have their reasons for doing so. And we don't even want to make it about this or that. We don't want to make that a point of conversation. Are you vaccinated? Are you unvaccinated? That's not the point. How about we just come and say to people, do you love Jesus? What's Jesus been saying to you? That's what we want to focus on here in our church. So, so let's be careful about that. And, um, and don't read between the lines of what you're going to hear from me today about vaccinations, all right? Just want to make that a little disclaimer. So many will come, and there will be great deception. And, and um, you know, one way that the enemy is at work, no doubt, is just there's that, you know, undercurrent of that narrative at work in our society and certainly through mainstream media. Uh, many of you know, I mean, it was just a, a couple years ago, you know, when we began to hear these terms of fake news and a lot of people brushed it off, you know, like, come on, fake news. Like, that's just so conspiracy theory kind of a stuff, right? 
And, and what I think we've begun to see is the, the way that the news agencies and the mainstream news agencies really are able to work together to create that kind of narrative, to keep people in a place of just kind of uh, tracking with a certain narrative. And, and you hear it from so many people where they're watching news and going, well, that's what I was told on the news, and why would they lie to me? Why would the news say anything that's false? And, and, and I say all that to say we have to be aware and we have to be people of the truth and we have to be sure that we are hearing truth and not just accepting what we're seeing on TV or the radio or because we hear multiple agencies saying the same thing, thinking, well, if they're all saying it, then it must be true, no? Well, I mean, look, at, I've got a clip here that just shows and I'm sure many of you have seen this clip to show how so much of the stuff that we're seeing is very transcripted even. Balanced journalism that CBS 4 News produces. But we are concerned about trouble the plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 So, as you can see there, are these free thinkers? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of biasness there in, in the news that we see. And again, I think, um, I think it's very safe just to say that there is that evil agenda that's at work and operating through much of mainstream, mainstream, mainstream media. Um, and you look at some of the sponsorship that is driving some of these things, and you begin to kind of connect the dots and you go, hmm, look at what's kind of driving some of this stuff here. Good Morning America is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. <laughs> and now a CBS Sports Update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. Right, eh? So, <laughs> very true. So, and, and I'm telling you, you can trace a lot of the big um, corporations and companies and players um, at work in the world, um, financial people, and how 
So much of money is being poured into some of these big corporations that are all connected to Pfizer. And this has become a huge money-making thing right now, the pharmaceutical business. And they are driving a lot of what is being said. So when you're hearing things from news agencies, you know, like, uh, yep, you know, vaccines are, are working wonderfully. And we need to, you look at what's driving a lot of that narrative and these companies are behind that. And more so, look at what we see in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Whose mind's the God of this age. Who's that speaking of? It's speaking of Satan. The God of this age has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them. So we understand very clearly that Satan is at work seeking to blind people. His goal and objective is to keep people away from the truth. And I want to be people that are standing in the truth and, and looking at truth and not just accepting what we're being told, but is looking to see what is true in these things here. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 9 to 11 says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, lying wonders. Do you see that? And with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. So not only is Satan coming with lying wonders, but there's gonna come a day, and I believe it'll be more so in the tribulation period, where God will just send that strong delusion and just kind of, again, give people over to what they wanna believe in a sense, which will be a deluded thinking. Uh, uh, it'll be following after the lie. And we're seeing these things happening in part today. There is an interesting condition that we've begun to hear more so about as people have been speaking out about this called mass formation psychosis. Now psychosis is when people lose some contact with reality. Mass formation psychosis is when a large part of a society focuses its attention to a leader or leaders or a series of of events and their attention focuses on one small point or issue and followers can be hypnotized and be led anywhere regardless of data pro, uh, proving otherwise. A key aspect of the phenomena is that the people they identify as the leaders, the ones that can solve the problems or issue alone, they will follow those leaders regardless of any new information or data. Furthermore, anybody who questions the leader's narrative are attacked and disregarded. Does this sound a little familiar to you? Yeah. There are people that are following along with what they're being told, regardless if it matches up with the actual facts and data that we're seeing. And they're following along very blindly. Goes on to say there are four key components needed for an environment to experience a mass formation psychosis. Lack of social bonds or decoupling of societal connections. Is that how it all began, right? Lack of sense-making, where things just don't make sense. Thirdly, a free-floating anxiety and free-floating psychological discontent. Free-floating anxiety is a general sense of uneasiness that is not tied to any particular object or specific situation. So we're seeing this kind of happening. And, and what is very interesting, my friends, is that this is not something we're seeing just happening in a localized area 
or a certain country. This is happening now on global scales. And everything that we're seeing now is happening with much more of a global impact. Again, we'll kind of talk a bit about that um, more so later on. But we're seeing these things happening on a global scale. Moving ahead, I believe all the more to the system that's going to come into place when the Antichrist comes onto the scene and is made known during the tribulation when the church will already have been raptured up. So what we see happening in that day, when you begin to see those things beginning to kind of assemble together and take place now, what does that tell you? It tells me that we are getting so close to Jesus coming again. All these things are falling into place right now as the scriptures have said. And I believe Jesus is coming so very soon and I'm excited about that. Now when we talk about the rapture and the church being raptured up, you think, how are people just not going to at that time just go, oh my goodness, millions of millions and millions of people are gone. I guess those Christians were right all along. Time to repent. Time to give your life to the Lord. You would think, why will there not be a mass revival at that time? But again, people have been so conditioned to this mass formation psychosis, to just kind of going along with what they're being told, whether or not that makes sense or whether or not that matches up with the data. They just are conditioned for those things. But how else now do you begin to explain away a rapture and the taking away of millions of people. Well, it's interesting to see what we're seeing happening with, with NASA and even within the Catholic Church. We're gonna talk about those things. Look at this, some of these headlines that have just made news just very recently here. NASA hires 24 theologians, including priests, to prepare humans for possible hu uh, alien discovery. <laughs> Preparing humans now for possible alien discovery. Another headline, NASA looks to the heavens for help. Agency enlisted 24 theologians to assess how the world would react to the discovery of alien life on distant planets and how it might change our perception of gods and creation. So this is a very bizarre move that we've seen take place now where NASA is beginning to work with those that they believe, and I'll use air quotes again for theologians, <laughs> because again, these are people that are not adhering to and believing the Bible. And they're looking to prepare uh, even the religious community now for the discovery of alien life and, and all these things happening. Reverend Dr. Andrew Davison, a priest, and theology professor at the University of Cambridge is among 24 theologians who are participating in this program sponsored by NASA. The theologians are attempting, it says, to assess how many religions or how major religions would react to news of alien life being found. The appointment comes as NASA's 10 billion James Webb Space Telescope blasted into space on Christmas Day. The vessel will implement cutting-edge technology to examine every phase of cosmic history inside the solar system to the most distant observable galaxies in the early universe. The device, which features infrared capabilities, will study a wide array of scientific questions to help mankind better understand the origins of the universe and humans' place in it. They want to try to discover better the origins of the universe. Can we just turn to Genesis 1-1 and find the answer? 
I don't understand why they're thinking. We need to understand this more. It's all explained to us right in God's word. Well, this Reverend Dr. Andrew Davison, this priest, seeks to answer theological questions such as whether or not God made life in other parts of the universe and if he sent a savior to die for the sins of aliens. This is the thinking that's going on. Another question the British priest seeks to tackle is if discovering extraterrestrial life will require religions to rewrite the entire story of creation in Genesis. This is what's going on by those deemed the experts in the religious community. And this is all very recent. Now, uh, Billy Crone wrote a, a, a great book, um, The Final Countdown, and he highlights a lot of these things that have been said among um, the Catholic Church. Let me read some of this to you here. Uh, I don't know if you can see that, but I'll just read this out. The Vatican and the Catholic Church are so serious about this that they have an actual entity called VORG, or the Vatican Observatory Research Group. This group has a couple of the world's most powerful telescopes on the top of Mount Graham in Arizona looking for extraterrestrial life. One is called VATT, or the Vatican Advanced Technology Telescope, and the other they have one quarter interest in is called LUCIFER. It stands for Large Binocular Telescope Near Infrared Utility with Camera and Integral Field Unit for Extra Galactic Research. It's the most powerful telescope in the world and is reported to get better images than the Hubble Telescope. It's called LUCIFER. Should this not be a wake-up call for people to go, I would rather just burn that thing than make use of it, right? Now, it's also infrared, so it can pick up things like other telescopes can't. And if that wasn't freaky enough, the highway that goes up to Mount Graham used to be known as the Devil's Highway or 666. What is driving all this, my friends? I think it's pretty clear. So the question is, why in the world is the Vatican searching for extraterrestrial life? Well, believe it or not, it's because they believe these so-called ETs are going to be our new savior and usher in peace to our planet. Here's their own words. Look at what Father Graham uh, Funes says. He says, Jesuit priest, or he's a Jesuit priest and he's head of the Vatican Observatory. He stated that extraterrestrial life may not have experienced a fall and may be free from original sin and therefore remains in full friendship with their creator. This makes it possible to regard them as our brothers. Therefore, if they're unfallen, they must be closer to God and have a better understanding of the gospel and of the Godhead and of the nature of God. In fact, Funes went on to say that he'd not only be willing to baptize an alien into the Catholic faith, but that they, aliens, are coming here and they're going to baptize us into their faith and it is going to require us to make changes to our knowledge and understanding of the gospel. Everything we think we know about the gospel is going to have to be thrown out. Another prominent Vatican astronomer is Guy uh, Consolmagno, I can't even say that name, and he too not only says he would baptize an alien, but only if they asked, he says, and then qualified saying any entity, no matter how many tentacles it has, has a soul. He then later says that these non-human forms are described in the Bible as angels, and very soon the nations of the world will look to aliens for their salvation. We fell, he said, they didn't. This is coming from prominent Vatican astronomers. And what are those who resist? It goes on to say, Father Gabriel Funes stated, 
to not believe in the existence of aliens and be willing to accept their morally superior dogma, that is going to be the true heresy of the future. In other words, you'll be a new heretic if you are unwilling to accept this morally superior and new form of the gospel. It's almost too ludicrous to be believable. And yet, I mean, it's like you're reading Babylon B right now, and yet this is actually what they are stating and saying. Anybody, you guys familiar with Babylon B? If I just throw out a reference, you're all going, what is he talking about Babylon now for? It's just a satirical news site. It's actually quite funny. It's run by Christians, and uh, they do a really good job. Babylon B. Okay, a little shout out there. Okay, um, and so what... Um, we're seeing is again a, a conditioning now for um, you know the advancement of aliens and life forms out there that I, I think and I've, I've held to this view for a long time but now when you begin to see in recent headlines with the Vatican hiring theologians air quotes um, you, you begin to see all the more this kind of conditioning ramping up to make people think that there are other life forms out there. And you look at the interest that, um, you know, Elon Musk and Jeff uh, Bezos is, how do you say his last name? Bezos? Is that, am I saying that right? Bezos? Okay. Um, you see the interest that these people are making, spending millions and millions of dollars to create, you know, uh, rockets to go into space. Um, this, this kind of emphasis and focus they have on what's out there, right? When, when these guys are so rich, I mean, they could be feeding whole countries that are stuck in poverty, and yet they put all that money into, let's go see what's going on outside of our planet and not worry about what's going on in our planet. And it just is just kind of mind-boggling to see kind of that sort of irrational thinking that's, that's going on here. But there's that conditioning being set up to, I believe, explain away when the, the church is raptured up. There it is. It's aliens. It's, it's aliens. It's alien abduction. And, and no doubt, you see kind of the view that's going towards Christians in our culture today. I mean, Christians used to be looked at as like, oh man, praise God. Yeah, that's awesome. And now Christians are being looked at as kind of the, the scourge of society. These are the ones that are holding us back from just kind of moving into this enlightened era, you know, when everybody just loves one another and holds hands and sings kumbaya together. It's the Christians and the, the conservatives that are really holding these things back. And what's gonna happen when the Christians are taken away? I think a lot of people go, ah, see, aliens came now and it has taken away all those that are holding us back from moving into this enlightened age now. It's all being set up for that. And you're seeing these things happening more and more in the news and looking for life out there. And now you've got religious communities, so-called the religious community that's, that's joining hands with this and, and partnering along to kind of give credibility now to this idea that, you know, alien life forms, they're good. And now uh, people have been removed. That's all it is. It's not the rapture of the church. And, and now you see more and more just, um, you, you know, churches even just, kind of looking to dismiss the rapture and, and not hold to a pre-tribulation uh, rapture view as we hold to as a church. And again, that's not gonna be a, a divisive issue. If you have a different view, you're not you know, kicked out of the church. 
Um, but that's the view that I hold too and that, that this church kind of positions itself on. But that view is, I think, becoming less and less of a popular view in the scope of all of Christianity. Just um, very recently, there was this article posted on the Gospel Coalition that says, Christ will not return at any moment, saying that an imminent return isn't the same as an any moment return. So we believe in the imminent return of Christ, but now they're, they're trying to explain it to say, well, and we believe in an imminent return of Christ is gonna be fulfilled through the rapture. We believe that the coming of the Lord is happening in two parts, where the rapture of the church, he meets them in the air, he calls believers home, and then for seven years we're in heaven while the tribulation unfolds. At the end of the tribulation, Christ comes back again at the second coming. So there's kind of a two parts to that coming. And if there's no rapture of the church, then we don't have an imminent return of Christ. That can happen at any moment. Because we know if we go into the tribulation, well, there's gonna be events that we're gonna see unfolding as scripture tells us before Christ comes back again. We're gonna see the rebuilding of the temple. We're gonna see uh, this one world leader, the Bible calls the Antichrist, that's gonna come on the scene, institute and, and integrate this system this beast system with the mark of the beast, all those things are gonna unfold in the tribulation. And Christ won't come back until after those things are in place. So if there's no imminent return of Christ and Christ only comes after the tribulation, well, we're gonna know all these things have to happen first. We're sitting here now knowing, well, Christ can't come back yet because these things haven't happened. But we believe in an imminent return of Christ because we believe in the rapture of the church when Christ is gonna call his bride home. And yet they're trying to state now in an article like this that, oh, no, no, hold on now. Imminent return doesn't really imply or mean that it's an any moment return. And they've just kind of looked to, again, discredit the rapture in this article. And so you're seeing that more and more happening among Christian circles in, in churches. And uh, it's, it's sad. I'm so excited to look at the things that we see going on in the world today and know and believe that Jesus is coming soon, and he can come at any moment. I don't have to wait. See, you know, a lot of people that sit there and think, you know, well, he's gonna come, maybe the rapture's gonna happen after the tribulation, so that means I gotta go through the part of the tribulation, I'm gonna see all these things, oh, I'm just kind of dragging my feet, waiting for this to happen, and things are so hard, and well, it's not happening, he can't come yet, because these things haven't happened. I mean, you see some people that kind of live a little bit discouraged and defeated, in a sense. But for us as believers, we get to live and go, though the world is kind of going down the tubes very quickly, this is not my hope. The Lord is going to come at any moment. And I live with excitement and anticipation and expectancy of his very soon and imminent return, no matter what's going on in the world. My hope is in Jesus, and he's coming soon. I'm so thankful for that. Be careful. Second Peter chapter 3 says... Um, Second Peter 3, verse 3, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That's what, what some Christians are saying today. Come on, where, you guys have been talking about this rapture for a long time. Where is it? When's it coming? 
it's, it's, things just continue on just as they've always been. You gotta get your head out of the sand and you just gotta start living life because you know there's no such thing as a rapture. And that's what some Christians are saying, scoffing these ideas. That's not the position we need to take. Oh, I believe that we need to continue on living our lives and, and conducting ourselves, carrying out the Father's business as long as he tarries and we continue on to serve the Lord and to uh, make him known in this world, no doubt about it. But we understand that though this world around us is, is crumbling quickly, we don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to be dismayed. We continue on with excitement, knowing the Lord is coming soon. Hebrews chapter 10, look over there with me. Worship team, you may come up and get yourselves in place here. Hebrews chapter 10, let me end with this passage. And I read this in our week of prayer here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and yet he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So in this service, um, what I want to kind of get into right now is looking at the great reset. Um, and this is a familiar term. This is something that we've already, you know, talked about and looked at, but I want to look at kind of where things are at uh, with this. Now, the great reset, of course, is a, a collaborated effort to bring in the eventual beast system, okay? COVID is that which has moved things along so rapidly to prepare the stage for that system that we see is going to be coming into place in Revelation, all right? Uh, Revelation 13, in fact, let me just, let's just go over there real quick. Revelation chapter 13. All right, so Revelation 13, verse 14, I'll pick it up there. It says that he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the, si in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Now notice that, that you know, um, deception there that's coming. He deceives those who dwell on the earth. We talked in the first service a lot about deception that's going on in the world today and how people are just kind of having their eyes blinded to what's really taking place and what's 
happening right now. So there's a lot of deception that's going to be a mark of the end times. It's going to be rolling into uh, the tribulation. Verse 15 of Revelation 13, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who calculate, or let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, his number is 666. So here's what we're going to be seeing happening, is things moving towards a system that's going to come into play in the tribulation period, where this one world leader is going to rise into power and going to institute and integrate this system by which nobody can buy or sell without having a mark on their hand or their forehead. And so what we see right now are things beginning to kind of really fall into place for having such a system. And when you see that those are things that are going to be coming in a future day after the church's rapture, this isn't going to be coming beforehand. So those that think, and there was a big question, you know, if I take the vaccine, am I taking the mark of the beast? No, you're not taking the mark of the beast. Nobody can take the mark of the beast right now because there's no beast that's risen to the surface right now. That's going to come through a one world leader, a political uh, person that's going to come. And that's why you see right now, and we'll talk about it, I'm just jumping all over the place now, but we're going to talk about it, uh, the push for this globalism, because it's all heading that way. This is what's going to happen. It's going to have to come that way for a one world leader to come on the scene, this Antichrist, who's going to institute this, this system. And so when you see that all those things are already kind of in place and sort of already being talked about, how much more do you realize that the Lord's coming is soon? The rapture of the church that's going to happen before this all comes into play is just right around the corner, I firmly believe. 2022 is going to be just an, an exceptional, remarkable year, I believe, where we're going to see these things really unfold. So uh, I, I hope that all this excites you and encourages you and not discourages you, because this is the, the point that we get to see is that when these things are happening, um, look up for redemption draws near. Jesus is coming soon. And that is something to be excited about. And to know that our lives here are very temporal, no matter what the world throws at us, no matter how crazy the world gets, this is not our home. This is not what we're putting our hope in or our trust in. Our trust and our hope is in Jesus, and he is indeed coming soon. So the Great Reset is something that we've seen, and one of the, the, the buzzwords that we're seeing so much now, especially with you know, President Biden moving into office, but you're seeing this now. And what's interesting is you're seeing this buzzword, build back better, happening on a global scale. This isn't just something that's reserved to, you know, one uh, country, one nation, one political power. This is something that you're beginning to see happening on a global scale. And that is something that should really cause us to perk up when you see the same kinds of things developing, happening, and being spoken of in such a global level. It's again causing you to see how people are in, in, incorporating together and working together to move us to this system that is going to come into place. So let's look at this video here. It's a big effort to, some would say, to build back, back better. We would say to really have a great reset. It's a very pertinent question. 
to ask how do we build back better? To build back better or whatever. We have a chance to reset the clock and build back better than before. To build back better than before. Build back better. Building back better. To do things differently. <laughs> to build back better. We're going to build it back better. And build it back better. To my plan to build back better. Uh, start taking all the problems that have been created in right. education and mental health and start to, to build back in a positive way. It's about building this country back better. Unprecedented opportunity to rethink and reset the ways in which we live. The great opportunity for reset. Build back better. Building back better our economy. Build back better. All elements of the Great Reset are fundamental to building the future we need. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. I think it's uh, very important to know that uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemics just has accelerated certain trends which we had seen before and which actually were discussed in Davos this year like uh, the lack of inclusion, the lack of uh, paying sufficient uh, attention to the environment. So what we will see now is acceleration of those trends and of course a unique opportunity to reset our global agenda. So Fascinating to see, and again, I'm sure many of you have seen these clips, and this is not new, and I hope it's new for some of you to kind of cause you to see what we're seeing happening on a global scale when you have so many different leaders all saying the same thing. Understand something, what we talked about in the first service is that there is an, a, an agenda taking place, and there is a person that's behind all of this. Satan, the enemy, is at work in the world right now. Understand that there's a driving force behind all this that is leading us to what we've read about in Revelation 13 already. And he's working behind the scenes, bringing all these things together. We all can sit here and think, oh, well, you know what? Um, yeah, COVID-19 is hit and it's unfortunate and we're all dealing with this and we just all can't wait for things to get back to normal, right? And this is what it's been all about, right? 15 days to uh, you know, stop the spread and let's get back to normal. They don't want things to get back to normal. There's an agenda and, and COVID-19 has been used as this vehicle now. And this is something you can hear some of these globalists, right? Some of these elites, you know, talking about years and years prior, talking about, you know, when a pandemic hits and even using terms like COVID-19 to talk about way before it happened. This is manufactured things that have become uh, or come into play now to fast forward these kinds of things. Just like what we see our, our leaders say, the, the pandemic has given us a great opportunity for a reset, you know? And, and as Klaus Schwab, and we'll talk about him in a second, has said that these things have kind of fast forwarded now, all these things come into play and there is an agenda at work. Now, to build something back better, Understand, to build something back better, what you need to do is you need to tear down what was already there. And this is what's behind all this, is build back better sounds wonderful, yeah, great. But what the goal is, is to tear down uh, what is 
pre previously there and what is presently existing so as to have that reset and bring about the plan and the agenda of the, the globalists around the world here. This is their desire. And so we've seen all these things taking place and it's made people very compliant. It's, uh, we've seen things being set up now for economic collapse when you see the supply chain and what's been going on there. Again, very uh, oftentimes very manufactured things here to bring about kind of this economic collapse, close, closing businesses down, you know. And when you see things being done uh, over Omicron, which is a very mild case of of COVID and yet still going back to shutdowns and lockdowns, you go, none of these things make sense. And none of this is very sensical. And you need to listen to the first service to just kind of hear a little bit more uh, about that. But it's caused people to be very, very compliant. And, and this is what the globalists are wanting to see happen is to see all these things shut down, broken down, so that they can rebuild back, so that they can reset everything. Uh, Billy Crone said, you create a crisis and you can manage the outcome. So understand what you're seeing happening in the world today. A lot of it is very manufactured. It's being set up because now when you create a crisis and they, these globalists are loving this, this build back better, the great reset is all about showing the crisis that we're in because then they can manage the outcome. They can begin to say and, and show what needs to be done now. And the things that we see developing, interestingly, are all marks of what we see happening at the beginning of the tribulation. Look at Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, <clears throat> verse 1, we'll start in. And this is what we see happening at the onset of the tribulation. That seven-year period that the church is not going to be in, we raptured up before, it's a time that God is pouring out his judgment on a Christ-rejecting world, but also giving people an opportunity, a final opportunity to repent and put their trust in him. It says in chapter 6, verse 1, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse, he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer, that's speaking of the Antichrist right there, who's gonna come with a bow, not a bow to shoot people and tear people down, but a bow that symbolizes peace. And he's gonna come uh, with this peace treaty now with Israel, looking like he's the savior, looking like he's the guy that we've all been waiting for to bring about peace. So he's gonna come at the beginning. And then in verse three, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see another horse fiery red went out and was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another and there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand and I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. What's being spoken of there, inflation, the cost of things going up and people having a struggle just to kind of buy what is needed and that is things that we're seeing right now. Inflation increasing. Uh, shelves being emptied in stores and just the prices uh, going up. We're seeing those things happening now. That's going to be a sign. It's going to be something that's going to uh, happen with 
greater intensity at the tribulation period. And then verse seven, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, which is also pestilence in some translations and by the beasts of the earth. Pestilence, disease, viruses. We're gonna see a, a, a number of people at the very beginning of the tribulation dying off. And I, I wonder if uh, COVID, and not just COVID, but vaccines are gonna have a part to play with that. They've said that uh, some of the adverse effects that we're seeing with vaccines, and this is not to scare anybody that has the vaccine. We trust if you've taken the vaccine, God's gonna protect you, all right? Um, well, we're praying for that, but, but with some of those adverse effects, they said, you know, you'll see some things happen within a couple days, some might be a couple weeks, some of it might not be for a couple years down the road, that you'll see some of the effects of this. And uh, if you're, I'm just going to say this, as a pastor, I think I need to say this, uh, and uh, it wouldn't be loving if I didn't say this, if you've been on the fence, and you've been sitting here saying, should I take the vaccine, should I just go ahead and do it? I would caution you, please really look into it and do your research because I don't think we're gonna see right now in the immediate some of the effects that are gonna be coming down the road. Already they're starting to show and, and start to come out in the press with the fact that uh, we're seeing um, a big effect in, in stillborns. Uh, that's something that has been shown previously, but so much of the stuff is being silenced and it's being uh, you know, just blocked from uh, again, mainstream media, but now we're starting to see some of the effects of some of these things. Um, we're seeing this affecting um, uh, women's menstrual cycles. This is, again, something that was very conspiracy to say earlier on, and now people are starting to come out and say, no, there's some truth behind these things. These vaccines are having an effect in, in people. Not everybody, thankfully. And again, we pray that those that have it, God's gonna keep protecting you. Um, but if you've been on the fence about it, I would very much caution you, do your research, really look into it, and, and ask yourself, do I wanna take that risk? Because what we've seen with COVID, the, the risk with COVID is far less than it is with taking these vaccines. And so just very much be careful. I say that out of love. Um, and I say that saying, you know what? I may, I may take the vaccine one day down the road if the Lord says, I need you to go to this place in the world and you need the vaccine to do it, then I'll take it. If the Lord's leading me to do it, I'll take it and I'll trust him with the results. But if you're just doing it because you wanna go to a movie, uh, really rethink it, okay? <laughs> Consider your choices there. And I say that out of love. And again, I don't say that with any judgment to those that have the vaccine. I totally understand many people have taken it for various reasons and we don't judge that at all. We are right with you, okay? So understand something though, just... Um, the people currently running the world are, are globalists, make no mistake about that. And, and we don't mean congressmen or senators or even the president, but the people behind them who have deep pockets, who are funding major changes in the world. And you look at some of the, the leading you know, corporations and places to invest where uh, it all kind of streamlines to a certain you know, two main corporations that are really funding a lot of things that the globalists are, are right behind and, and pouring into and some of the very wealthy people in the world that are, are really kind of 
coordinating things. It's like the, the guy in Wizard of Oz behind the curtain just kind of running everything. That's what we see with some of these globalists who are not always on the front lines of things, but now you're beginning to see some of them moving the front lines. You got Bill Gates, you know, talking about uh, vaccines, and you're like, how do you, how are you the one that's telling us all about these these vaccines and, and uh, this COVID, and even before we even knew of COVID, Bill Gates is talking about it. You're going, who are you to be talking about? I mean, I know you know a lot about viruses with computers because you've you know, brought those all into Microsoft to you know, keep money going, but um, when it comes to biological stuff, like you're just going, what is going on here? So we're starting to see some of them come to the forefront because these are the ones that are really leading through. And so any... Uh, given the direction that the globalists want to take us, they have no intention of making our economic situation any better. And there are numerous implications as to where this is going to lead us. Second, the select few elites understand and are using the Hegelian dialectical approach of creating a crisis to implement the changes they wanted from the start. Thus, their approach is to create a multi-domain crisis impacting populations on numerous all of which require a federal and even an international response. This is why global cooling, warming, climate change is their grand puba of existential change because the climate affects everyone. In other words, if they can tie a crisis to climate change, they will, regardless of how ridiculous that association might be. Tornadoes, meteor strikes, earthquakes, racism, transgenderism, COVID-19, all of these the elites will tell you are all tied back to climate change. That's really the problem. In fact, some of you may have seen just very recently, a BC doctor was the very first to diagnose a woman with climate change. A woman who had a sickness went to the doctor and the doctor's diagnosis was climate change. And it was the very first, and that was right here in BC. I believe it was in BC. A Canadian, it's a Canadian woman, at least. I'm pretty sure it was BC. I don't know where it was, but it was in Canada. So what we're seeing is, again, this push now, and this is something that affects on a global scale. Now, oh my goodness, the time. There's just too much to talk about, people. Okay, so lastly... These select elites who use climate change as their primary crisis mechanism are doing so because they need to level the international playing field. They need to do this in order to create the necessary conditions for a universal and digital income. They know they can't have global governance without a global digital currency they can control. You know, as long as you have paper money, people can remain autonomous. And so globalists don't want that. They want to be able to know what you're doing with your money. They want to be able to track people with their money. And that's the, the, the integration now of a digital currency. So in order to do that, they need to either weaken the American stronghold on the global economy or crash the U.S. dollar. And in order to do that, they need to diminish the U.S. Constitution and our deeply held belief in the rule of law. And you see that not only happening in the U.S., but in other parts of the world as well. So there's two primary ways they're promoting this. The first is either by creating lawlessness or by allowing lawlessness to flourish. Isn't that what we've seen happening in the last couple of years now? And not just allowing it, but promoting it. Promoting lawlessness, promoting rioting. 
This is why we see the relaxing of laws against criminals in blue states, which, surprise, surprise, creates more crime, which creates more demand of the people for law and order, which means less liberty and more state government control over the people. It's always a four-step process with these people. Come up with a plan to increase totalitarianism and reduce personal liberty, then create the crisis or allow it to become a crisis, and then people want change, and the leaders implement said intended change all bringing about what they've always intended and desired. And they manufacture these things to bring about their intended goal. So all these things are leading us toward the new world order, which is going to be the Antichrist system, the, the beast system. Again, when you talk about the new world order, that was years ago something you go, come on, put your, take your tin hat off, stop believing these conspiracy theories. And, uh, and now you're seeing this that much more just coming into the mainstream of things. We first heard it with George W. Bush years and years ago. And you just kind of go, oh, man, was that just some kind of, you know, one of his, you know, bumbling comments that he made that he doesn't know what he's talking about, you know? But now we're seeing these things coming into play all the more. Here's another video. Um, we will be looking at what contact tracing looks like in the new world order. This is a world pandemic. It's a one in 100 year event. So you can expect that we will have transmission uh, from time to time, and that's just the way it is. We've got to accept that this is the new world order. We've got to accept that this is the new world order. The new world order. The new world order. So now we're hearing this that much more commonplace, and, and notice what he says there. This is just the way it is. We just need to accept that this is the way it's going to be in the new world order. It's again simply a global effort to create a one world government, one world economy, one world religion, just as Revelation says is going to be happening, all of which to have a one world government, one world economy, one world religion, what do you need? A one world ruler, a leader, the Antichrist. That's where this is all going. Interestingly, we've seen some recent footage emerge that may be lifting the lid off of this a little bit too. The scale and scope of the threat we face call for a global systems level solution based on radically transforming our current fossil fuel based economy to one that is genuinely renewable and sustainable. So, ladies and gentlemen, my plea today is for countries to come together to create the environment that enables every sector of industry to take the action required. We know this will take trillions, not billions of dollars. We also know that countries, many of whom are burdened by growing levels of debt, simply cannot afford to go green. Here we need a vast military-style campaign to marshal the strength of the global private sector. With trillions at its disposal, far beyond global GDP, and with the greatest respect beyond even the governments of the world's leaders, it offers the only real prospect of achieving fundamental economic transition. With trillions at its disposal, far beyond global GDP, with trillions at its disposal, with trillions at his disposal. Who is he talking about here? He's not talking about an entity, a government, a global movement. He says with trillions at his 
disposal? Is this kind of lifting the lid off of, again, this desire of bringing a man into position and play, all of which is being led along by the enemy that's at work in the world today? All these things that we see happening, my friends, are moving us in a fast forward way to what we see coming in Revelation. Never have we seen these things coming into play and being set up like we do. Now, we've been doing prophecy updates for years and years, and, and this has been something that's going on, and we've been predicting, you know, not we, but people have been predicting, you know, uh, 88 reasons Jesus is going to come in 1988, right? I mean, this has been going on for a long time. Um, but never have we seen these things really falling into place like we do in our day and already just ready for these things to come up. Now, understand, again, when the rapture happens, uh, I was just talking about this with somebody earlier, and think about all these things happening right now with the restraining force. Second Thessalonians chapter two talks about the restrainer who's at work, and I believe that's speaking of the Holy Spirit in the church. These things are, are fast-tracking now with the restrainer now think about when that restraining force is taken out of the way at the rapture. How much more these things are just going to explode and be implemented? How much more are people gonna be calling out for? We need help. We need, we're now, we're in a crisis like we've never seen before. All the globalists are, are manufacturing a crisis. They don't realize the crisis that's really gonna be set up when the rapture happens. That's something they're not predicting but they're already trying to set up the, the, the manufacture all these crises so that all these things can be implemented and come into play, but how much more when the rapture comes will all these things be ready to say, now we really need help. Now we really need to bring these things into position. Now again, one person that's really behind a lot of this, Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. It's, this has been, again, a planned effort for some time. Many of the key leaders promoting this reset have been trained by a man many have seen behind all of this here. Now, remember, the, the World Economic Forum came out recently and said, you know, uh, with this Agenda 2030, this goal, uh, you're going to owe nothing and you'll be happy. Uh, it goes on to say, whatever you want, you'll rent and it'll be delivered by drones. The U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower. And they had other slides like that that said, here's what we're looking at moving towards. This is what we can all be excited about. Again, what does it mean you'll own nothing and you'll be happy? It means that you're not going to be able to just own things. They want to have control of what you have, all right? And they're trying to tell you, you won't need to own anything. You'll be happy. You'll just be content because we'll, we'll give you what you need and we'll make sure we'll provide for you and we'll take care of you and you'll be very reliant upon us. That's what they're desiring, right? It's for us to have such a reliance upon them. So the World Economic Forum was founded by Klaus Schwab in 1971, best known for their annual conferences where business leaders and politicians gathered to discuss the problems of the world. It initially only brought people from the economic field, but before long, it began attracting politicians, prominent figures from the media, and even celebrities. Now, in 1992, Schwab established a parallel institution, the Global Leaders for Tomorrow's School, which was reestablished as the Young Global Leaders in 2004. Young Global Leaders. And in the school, he began to train up many people now, people that are now in very prominent positions of politics and whatever. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, Emmanuel Macron, um, uh, Gavin Newsom, 
uh, Merkel, we've got Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates that have gone through this, and many more people, Tony Blair, Nicholas Sarkozy, um, just to name a few. There are many that have gone through this, young global leaders that have been, again, conditioned and prepared to show this is where we are wanting to move things on a global scale. So you got people now, and some of these people who are very much behind, you know, things like the, uh, you know, build back better, global reset, all these things are, are there. And so that's a very interesting connection that we see. In, in 2012, Schwab and the World Economic Forum founded yet another institution, the Global Shapers Community, which brings together those identified by them as having leadership potential from around the world who are under 30. Approximately 10,000 participants have passed through this program to date and they regularly hold meetings in 400 cities. Wolf believes that it is yet another proving ground where future political leaders are being selected, vetted, and groomed before being positioned in the world's political apparatus. And one of the big agendas through the pandemic is of course the vaccine passport, which of course can be copied or counterfeited right now and so to alleviate that, what they're going to look to do is have something that can be planted inside you using biometrics and digital IDs. And so we'll look at that next service. <laughs> so one way around, you know, alleviating the, the counterfeit of these things is, of course, to go about with a biometric and digital ID. And these things are already coming into play. Watch this video here. Implants are a very versatile technology that can be used for many different things. And uh, right now, it's very convenient to have a COVID passport always accessible on your implant. this sci-fi fantasy or practicality? I want to know why anyone would want to do this. For this teenager, microchips, it seems, are in her DNA. This is my daughter and I'm the, the father. So you're a microchip family? We will become one now today. Magnus and his daughter Felicia have come here together tonight because they believe this is the future. You're going to have an upgraded dad. Yeah. <laughs> As they say, it was good being a human, but being a cyborg is better. Didn't feel a thing. It's a quick, simple procedure with potentially huge significance. So you're officially part machine. How does it feel? So where do you see that chip getting put? Right in the hand. What do we read in Revelation chapter 
13, that they were made to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And so here we're seeing that technology and development happening. The developer of the scannable COVID microchip that is embedded on the skin hit back at critics and said, there's no stopping the rollout. Went on to say in that article, microchips are gaining popularity in Sweden and our, our Swedes are getting COVID vaccine passports implanted in their hands or elsewhere under their skin. It says, get your COVID certificate and chip in your hand or elsewhere under the skin. It is increasingly popular to insert a chip into the body with different types of information. And now you can insert your COVID certificate in the chip. Afton Blatt at Sweden's Daily Newspaper reported last year, skeptics and critics slammed the scannable COVID vaccine passport as invasive. However, the developer says, too bad. The technology is here and will be used whether we like it or not, he says. Interesting. And most of the push for this is coming through Agenda ID 2020. Now, what is the infamous ID 2020? It's an alliance of public-private partners, including UN agencies and civil society. It's an electronic ID program that uses generalized vaccination as a platform for digital identity. The program harnesses existing birth registration and vaccination operations to provide newborns with a portable and persistent biometrically linked digital identity. Gavi, or the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunization, identifies itself on its website as a global health partnership of public and private sector organizations dedicated to immunization for all. Gavi is supported by WHO, World Health Organization, and needless to say, its main partners and sponsors are, of course, the pharma industry. The ID2020 Alliance at their 2019 summit entitled Rising to the Good ID Challenge uh, in September 2019 in New York decided to roll out their program in 2020, a decision confirmed by the World Economic Forum. We talked a lot about the World Economic Forum in our previous service there. And in January 2020, that happened uh, there at Davos at their regular annual meeting. Their digital identity program will be tested with the government of Bangladesh, Gavi, the Vaccine Alliance, and partners from academia and humanitarian relief, as, they're, uh, as they call it, are part of the Pioneer Party. So the push for a vaccine passport is not about just trying to keep people free from COVID and keeping people at bay in society so that people can just be remaining healthy and protected. It is about eventually getting people to a digital ID. Understand, that's why, you know, I am very against a, a vaccine mandate with the use of passports and all because the eventual push and lead towards these things is about digital ID and that will be the precursor to the eventual mark of the beast. It's all heading that way, my friends. This is what we're seeing getting established and set up right now. Now, the narrative, you know, has always been about instilling that fear in a people that if you don't get your vaccine, you're going to be flirting with death, both for you or causing it in others. This came out just recently in, in December here. CDC issues grim forecast warning that weekly COVID cases will jump by 55% to 1.3 million by Christmas Day and that deaths will surge by 73% to 15,600 a week as Omicron becomes dominant strain. Didn't happen, my friends. And yet this is 
what keeps being pushed and said, Joe Biden recently just talked about those, is going to be very dark winter, right? He said very dark winter for those that are unvaccinated. And, he keep, and, and we just keep hearing that rhetoric and narrative being pushed that this virus is just wiping people out. And unless you get vaccinated, we are not going to come through this. And this is what's being done, what's being reported on, what's being pushed. And yet we keep seeing that none of these things are coming to fruition like all these scientists are saying will happen. In fact, the, the goalposts just keep getting moved all the time. So as we see that these things are not happening, like the scientists have said it would, the authorities just keep pushing that the unvaccinated are the problem and that they'll be pushed out of society if they don't have now a vaccine passport. And so we're seeing these things heating up more and more. We're seeing more and more lockdowns happening in various countries where uh, the unvaccinated are the ones that are being kind of pushed to the side and, and being kept from different things. This is what's happening. And, and just the, the, the rhetoric that's going out from, from people in political office where they should be above these things. Just recently, what have we heard our own leader Trudeau saying is that the unvaccinated are, are those that, um, what did he say? He, he likened those to the unvaccinated are oftentimes, he says, misogynistic, racist people. And so, yeah, we need to pray for him. Okay, guys, let's be careful. We need to pray for him. But this is what's going on. And, and uh, Emmanuel Macron, he's, that's another guy you need to be watching on the prophetic landscape here. But Emmanuel Macron also just recently came out and just, you know, said some things very unbecoming of a person in his position about those that were unvaccinated. Basically saying that they are, you know, just ticked off with those people. And he didn't use the word ticked off, but some other, other stuff that I shouldn't say. If Randy was here, he would say it, but I can't say that. Um, just kidding. Uh, so this is the stuff that we're seeing being pushed again. And so it's kind of this idea of through fear, shame, pressure, and bullying, there's a push to bring people under a vaccination identity, which will lead to a digital database and eventually an embedded biometric chip that we're already seeing put into practice. And this is where things are leading to. And, and, no, and, and the, the whole vaccination, um, you know, terms are, again, being changed all the time. They're already talking just last week now, I think it was Fauci and, and others that have come out and said, you know, we're going to need to change the name as to what being fully vaccinated means to where you'll have to say, are you up to date on your vaccinations? Because now we're seeing the fourth boosters rolling out in Israel. And uh, people all said, you know, once they get my two vaccines, that's it. I know that's all they're going to need. They're not going to ask for a booster. No way. Well, they've now third booster, uh, third shot, the booster, and then the fourth shot, another boot. Like we just keep seeing these things growing where they can just keep injecting these things into you. And let me just say, uh, there's, there's some real concerns with these things. Um, uh, I, I just got to say, Again, if you've made a decision to be vaccinated, we love you. We're not judging that decision at all. But if some of you are on the fence over these things, 
again, I wanted to say, you need to really do your research and look at what is going on with these things because there's a lot of information that is being suppressed, that's being blocked, that's not going out there, and the adverse effects. And some of these things are things that we're not gonna see down the road. Revelation chapter six talks about those four seals that are released, the four horsemen, you know, and, and uh, it talks about um, that pale horse bringing, you know, death and or pestilence, disease virus, and we could very well be seeing how Revelation talks about, uh, you know, many people at the onset of the tribulation are being wiped out. It could very well be linked to vaccinations. We don't know. That's just an idea. I'm not, I'm not saying this is my prediction. I'm just saying that's a very real possibility because some of the effects are saying aren't going to be noted until a couple years down the road. So I encourage you, if you're on the fence, really do your research, think it through, and if God is going to take it, we're, we're not you know, going to judge you on that decision at all. Again, it's not about that, but we want to understand that the purpose behind these things is really about getting people to a digital ID, and now it's going to be just continuing to inject these things. That is showing these vaccinations to be real gene editors is what they're doing. So there's a lot going on. And if they just keep allowing themselves to say, you need another one, you need another one, you need another one, they can keep changing what they're putting in you to where uh, they, can, they can really bring a lot of control and sadly damage there through that. So it's become overwhelmingly evident that these vaccinations provide no benefit to COVID immunity, which is what it all started based on, right? Get your vaccine, you're no longer going to need to wear a mask. You're going to be free in society to do what you want. And yet here we are now, a year later, going right through the very things that start us all off with lockdowns. And, and to everybody, vaccine or unvaccinated, it, it, we're seeing that these things are not showing the efficacy that they said it would. Let's look at another video here. We have two vaccines that are really quite effective, highly effective, virtually 100% efficacious.
Wow, okay, so. So I say all that to say, we know that this is way more than just about your health, which has always been the preaching point from uh, these people uh, for since. There's so much behind all of this, um, not just to mention the, the money-making endeavor from the globalists behind all this, but there's more than just your health behind this because what we're seeing is that these things are not providing any real help to us. Health, you just got to keep... So there is that agenda behind all this that's much more than just your health. And so this is leading us to, uh, just again, um, mandates, passports, all that. And just, uh, just recently now, we saw, again, from our own Canadian health minister saying, I see it coming, mandatory vaccinations on the horizon, federal health minister says. So why would they be saying this when they see very clearly that these things are not bringing the help that we need. People that have the vaccine and are all up to date on the vaccines are still contracting COVID. They're still getting sick. There's really no different. In fact, you will hear in the news a lot, the mainstream media, that it's still a pandemic of the unvaccinated, that it's the unvaccinated that are filling the hospitals. And that is not the truth. Mainstream media cannot be trusted. We talked about that in the first service. And so you need to be aware that these things are not providing help. So why will they still be forcing mandatory vaccinations? Because it's more than just the vaccination and doing your part to provide health. It's more than that. It's moving us towards these things that we see. And so you need to be prepared. You need to be ready. You need to be praying as to kind of your your, your position and, and what you're going to do with that. And again, if you choose, I'm going to be vaccinated. We're going to trust that God's protecting you and God will be with you. And, and God will just, you know, keep you safe from that. And, and many are. So we're not saying that the vaccination equals, you know, imminent uh, problems, but there is greater risk with taking a vaccination than there is than just dealing with COVID, which is a strange thing, isn't it? And so, um, and again, I'm not up here saying COVID is not real, that COVID is not creating problems. I'm not saying that at all. It certainly has, but, but so does, you know, the common flu for, for many people. And uh, we just never highlighted, you know, case numbers of people that have the flu, people that die from the flu each year. We never highlight those things. That's all we're highlighting right now. And it's instilling fear and it's moving people along to just blindly go along with the program that's being introduced and integrated into society. So that's what's going on. Well, listen, we're going to shift some gears a little bit here now, okay? Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, because I'll let the scripture speak for itself here. Second Timothy 3, verse 1 says this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. And so I want to talk a little bit now, just changing gears, um, talk a little bit about, 
you know, we believe that the end times are gonna be a time also marked with apostasy and a turning away, people that show a form of godliness but are denying its very power. And what we see happening right now within many churches is just mind-boggling where, um, you know, uh, transgenderism for one, invading the church. Look at what's happened in a Lutheran church. A Lutheran pastor dresses in drag to lead worship service with children. And this is what's, what's going on. The post-millennial reports, uh, this person saying, I have an awesome story. This, this so-called pastor, reading children, says, I have an awesome story to share with you today. Uh, Mustard told the children, flipping his long blonde hair off his shoulders, he asked the children if they'd ever seen a drag queen before, and they had not. He offered surprise at this fact. I'm also a boy most of the time when I'm here, he told them. But today, he said, flipping his hair back and forth, I'm a girl. After reading, he led a prayer. Now, this is some of the stuff that we're seeing coming into now churches. And I'm shocked to see just how so many of, of mainline denominational churches have begun to embrace uh, LGBTQ plus in ways that are not biblical. Let me just say for the record, anyone that is gay, lesbian, transgender is welcome into this church. Let me just say that. Welcome in this church. We're not going to close the doors to anyone. We want them to come in here, but we're going to give them Jesus and the Word of God. We are not going to cater to, we're not going to be those that condone what's being said, but we're going to introduce them to Jesus. We're going to share God's truth with them, and it's His truth that will set them free. But what I've begun to see is churches caving and compromising to the woke ideology and are affirming those that embrace, uh, affirming those that don't embrace a, a biblical sexuality. And you know why it's often done? You know why people often say that? Because we want to be loving to our community. Now, does that sound familiar to you? Because it was just probably over a year ago that many churches closed down for the reason of saying, we just want to be loving to our neighbor. And we see that slippery slope where the compromise sets in where they, churches can begin to act more based on what they think others are going to view them as rather than how God views them and rather than what God's word says. And so there's a slippery slope where you begin to act upon well, how are others going to view us? What are they going to say? We want to be loving to our neighbor, so we want to do that which will be more tolerable for them. And this is the same argument that churches now will use when they begin to say, and, and again, I've been shocked to see some churches now that have begun to embrace or, or say that we are affirming of those that are in the LGBTQ community. Meaning, we don't want to call them out on sin. We just want them to feel comfortable and to feel loved. And this is where many churches, sadly, have gone. And we need to be those that say, first of all, I love the Lord, and I want to honor Him, and I want to stand in truth. And we want to gently and lovingly pass that truth on to people. Like I said, it's the truth that will set them free. Now, with Bill C4 that's just recently now, as of, I think, yesterday, 
Bill C-4 has been passed into law which bans conversion therapy of anyone's sexual identity. And I hope you all are aware of Bill C-4 because this is an astonishing thing that's come into our country now where, again, the kinds of definitions that are being used now kind of leave a lot to, to be explored to where a person that is looking to change a person's sexual identity, if there's a person that is struggling with you know, transgenderism and a person comes along to say, you know what, I wanna help you lead you onto a proper identity, a biblical and what God has made you as. And if there's any kind of alteration, that person can be imprisoned. Pastors can now be arrested in Canada for speaking out on what the Bible says about sexual identity. It's a shocking thing that's come into play here now. Now, next Sunday, a number of churches in North America are going to be preaching on biblical sexuality in response to Bill C4. We're going to be taking part in this as well. And so this Sunday, coming up next Sunday, a statement has been prepared, um, or I'm going to read a statement in a second, but next Sunday, we're going to be doing a sermon on biblical sexuality. Um, Pastor Randy will probably be doing it. He doesn't know it yet, but um, <laughs> he owes me now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do, do a message on what the Bible says about these things. Not what the woke community would like us to say, but what the Bible says about these things. And there's also been a statement that's been uh, created for churches to read out today as, again, Bill C-4 was just, you know, brought into law yesterday. And so statements been made. Here's what the statement says, and this is what we as a church are adhering to and believing. Uh, it says this, this past week marked a monumental change in Canadian law and society with the enactment of federal Bill C-4, which amends the criminal code. The law's stated purpose is to outlaw conversion therapy. We strongly oppose the coercive and unscientific therapeutic practices the bill was introduced to address. We appreciate and affirm the desire of parliamentarians to protect the vulnerable. However, we are deeply concerned that the effective reach of the legislation could be extended far beyond its stated purpose because its definition of conversion therapy is vague. Many are concerned that it could capture parents, pastors, and counselors who teach a biblical understanding of sexuality in a variety of situations. The Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees our freedom of religion, conscience, thought, belief, expression, and association. It is our prayer that the law will be applied and clarified as needed in such a way as to honor these charter protections. We recognize that the greatest danger facing the Canadian church is not that we might face criminal prosecution, but rather that we might compromise in our teaching of the word of God or fall silent in our proclamation of the gospel. Along with church leaders of like conviction across Canada, we stand before you today to pledge that we are committed to obeying God's law above all others. With the Lord's help, we'll continue to proclaim the word of God and the whole counsel of God without fear or favor. This includes God's life-giving design for human beings made in his image, male and female, with sexual intimacy reserved for the covenantal union of a man and a woman in marriage. We will continue to issue the call to repent of all kinds of sin 
and to believe the gospel, knowing that we all have sinned and that salvation through Jesus is the one true hope for the world. We will continue to love and serve all people in our community without distinction in Jesus' name as we press on in the work of ministry. We will trust our Heavenly Father to guard us and keep us and to work out His greater purpose for our good and His glory. We continue to pray for our government and I plead with the Lord to have mercy on our needed land. So, that's what we believe. Yeah. So, we don't want to be a, a lukewarm or compromising church, especially as we see these days that we live are, I believe, the last days. The Lord's coming soon. You connect all the dots, and you see the season that we're in. And there's so much more that can be talked about and and i know that we have a church that are filled with prophecy buffs and i'm sure that not a lot i've said today is new for many of you for some i hope it is but for many of you you are on top of these things i know it by the hundreds of videos i get sent every week that i can't keep up with and i try but i'm like these guys have way too much time on their hands but it's good. I Keep them coming, guys, because I love it, and I get to as many as I can, um, and they're great. But I know that we are a church that is filled with well-grounded people in the truth and an eye on the sign of the times, and it's exciting. Um, just, you know, finishing up here, I mean, we just see the marks of the, the wicked one becoming that much more clear all around us. And like I, I said earlier, that this is certainly, you know, a work of the enemy uh, working behind the scenes and bringing all the scenes together ultimately with God in control and allowing all of it. But, um, you know, to move ahead to all these things, um, yeah, this is what, what needs to happen. And we know the, the, the final outcome. We know where it's going. We don't need to be surprised by these things. Um, when things like this pop up at the UN uh, center in New York just a, a few months ago. I believe it's been taken down now. But you see the blatant effort that's going on by those that are kind of in this power position. The blatant effort's going on just to kind of flaunt, you know, oh, we know what's going on. And yeah, we're trying to move these things towards that. Because Revelation chapter uh, 13 talks about, you know, the beast that comes out of the sea. And uh, in Revelation 13, um, it's so interesting. Uh, the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. Daniel chapter 7 is referring to that same beast, and it says that there's that, that leopard with wings as of an eagle, it says in Daniel chapter 7. So these guys are saying like, we know what's really kind of going on and we're going to flaunt that. And, and a lot of people, I guess, have written in about that and said, you guys are just way over the top here with this stuff. And so it's been taken down, I believe. But you just see the signs of the enemy and the work of the enemy that's, that's going on. And, and we could just talk about um, so many more things. But all these things should not surprise us. The enemy knows his time is short and he's trying to go out with a bang, I believe. But we see all these things. What does the word say? Look up for your redemption draws near. These are exciting times, my friends, and Jesus is coming soon. May we not live in fear or in discouragement. May we live knowing where our hope lies. It's not in this world. This world is, is fading away, but the Lord is eternal, and we have eternity to look forward to 
with him. So let's keep our eyes on him. 2022 is going to be a year unlike any other, I believe. And we should be watching closely because when we connect the dots and see so many things falling into place, there's not much that needs to happen. There's nothing that needs to happen before the rapture takes place. And then things will really kick into overdrive. We didn't even, I mean, this is astonishing that um, we have even got into Israel. I mean, every prophecy update really pretty much always centers around Israel for a, a, a great deal. We haven't even gotten into Israel. I mean, there's lots that we can talk about there. And uh, you, you keep your eye on Israel. You keep your eye on the efforts being made to the rebuilding of the temple because we know that's going to come into play in the tribulation. And they've already got so many things in place for that. You keep your eye on those things. And you know, man, we are close. But again, once the rapture takes place, it's, it, we see these things developing quickly right now. When the rapture unfolds, it's going to fast forward all those things so much more when all of a sudden millions of people are gone. We've talked about the, the, the identity, the, the digital ID that's needed. I mean, we may not see that come into fruition completely. We're already seeing it happening, but it may not come into fruition completely until after the rapture because once the rapture hits and the millions of people are gone and we talked about some excuses that will be made for that we talked about uh, a lot of effort being done with nasa bringing in theologians you have to listen uh to that okay but um we'll see a lot of things being done to explain away but once that happens it's going to springboard all the more the need because it's going to create the crisis that all these globalists have been looking for. It's going to create the crisis beyond what they could have imagined when millions of people are gone and to fast forward all these things into play. So it's already happening. That means how close are we? Um, you know, Jesus alluded to the fig tree and he said, this generation will by no means, you know, pass away uh, until all these things have happened. And so that generation, some have thought 70 years, is it 80 years according to Psalm and Psalms? And we're right in that time frame from believing the fig tree to be the rebirth of Israel in 1948. Some have, have used the date of 1949 to say this is when, you know, the Knesset was established, when they began to kind of function with that autonomy. And so if it's 1949, you take 80 years from that, that brings us to 2029 minus seven years, 2022. I'm just saying, this, this is some exciting stuff. We don't know. We are not date setters here at all, um, but just mark down uh, April uh, 19. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. No, no, we're not going to do that. We're, we're not date setters, but guys, exciting times. And uh, until the Lord comes, we're going to be here every Sunday preaching God's word and just seeing people growing in Christ and uh, growing in his word and just living large for Jesus. All right. You with me? All right. Worship team, come on up. <laughs> All right. That's been a fun Sunday. So like I said, we're going to, um, as quick as we can, compile all three services together into one um, sermon video. We'll post it up on YouTube, Rumble, onto our website. And uh, so make sure you tune in to all the other stuff that we covered because we've covered something different in each service. And so it's been a fun Sunday. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you again just for this time uh, to look at these things. And uh, we're just excited, God, for all that we see unraveling. And when we oftentimes think that um, 
everything is falling apart, we just know again that it's all falling into place according to what you've already determined. Uh, your purposes will prevail. And so may we not fear, be discouraged. May we live for you all the more with excitement and anticipation of your soon return, but also with an urgency for the days that we live, knowing that time is short and we want to make you known all the more uh, in the world around us. We want to see many come to know you as their personal savior. So may we be those that are going about with the gospel and the good news to share with people. Fire us up for those things, Lord. And may we stand true for you and uh, lead us on now, we pray in your name. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's worship our Lord.